Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of You Press Play Sports. I'm your host, Dan Sports Editor Richard Pereira. Joining alongside me today is photo editor Essen Parker and contributing writer Kevin Garcia. Hey, guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, man. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Yeah, um, Mia and Esten had fun this weekend, especially on Saturday with FEU football, giving Fordham a torching uh, win of 45 to 14. In one of my predictions, I actually managed to uh, actively predict FEU's score of 45 points. So wow. it, it pretty much sums up how good FEU was offensively for most of the game. Uh, Esten, what were your thoughts throughout the, throughout the match? I think especially that second half was really impressive. They got, they started off a little slow. Um, and I think, especially in the first half, some key drops were kind of tough, but, you know, as expected, FAU pulled away. And I, and I think altogether was a really good game. So in continuing our long home winning streak. So. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Tiger, head coach Willie Tiger remained undefeated at home with a record of 6-0. and and the next home game for Epi will be against FIU, but that can wait until later. Uh, Perry uh, on Saturday, Nicosi Perry uh, on Saturday threw for 27 of 43 passes and for 278 yards and two touchdowns, including on his longest pass being a 25-yard pass. Um, he's, he's still keeping up the momentum, as it seems. Kevin, uh, what do you think of FIU's performance against Fordham? Yeah, I mean, uh, Perry is a good quarterback. You know, he was on fire. The rushing game was also good too. 246 rushing yards. That's that's a pretty impressive number, you know. I mean, the guys are on fire. Coming off like a, a tough loss to Florida, they've won two in a row. And I, I was thoroughly impressed with this game, especially the offense. I mean, the, the defense was solid too, but the offense is just clicking on all cylinders right now and everything's coming together at the right time. Yeah, and I have to agree with that. The running game uh, with a net rating of 246 yards, that is particularly very good. Malcolm Davidson had 14 attempts for a net gain of 63 yards. Kelvin Dean, as a, as a fresh, in his freshman year, uh, had nine attempts for 78 yards and a touchdown, his first in his career with FAU, as well as Larry McCammon with eight attempts for 38 yards with a net rating of 37, actually, with a touchdown. And James Charles with eight attempts and 30 yards as well. So the running game did its job on Saturday. And it, they would like, to, they have to keep that up for next week when they go on the road to Colorado to take on Air Force on Saturday, September 25th at 8 p.m. That game will be broadcast on Fox Sports 2 or simply FS2. And it will be a, a, cru, a, cru, a crucial game for FAU. Uh, to have and hopefully win before they start conference play the week after. So what are our thoughts be, uh, before FEU heads to Colorado to take on Air Force? I think Nkosi Perry continuing his hot start will be crucial. I mean, so far, he hasn't even thrown an interception yet. Um, mm -hmm. And he he's given us a lot of stability um, at the quarterback position, which is crucial because we haven't, well, besides Robeson, we, we've been struggling to have a good quarterback historically. And um, and I think if we can keep a consistent running game along with forcing turnovers and eliminating those drops that we saw a lot of in the first half, 
I think that we should be looking pretty good, even though going up to Air Force will be tough. And not just because it's an away game, but also got to consider, I'm sure the major altitude difference could make a slight difference. You know, I mean, that's, it's some, I feel like it's somewhat comparable to how, you know, when you're conditioned in this Florida heat, you, you know, Florida teams have an advantage, but when you're going up, um, and I believe Air Force is in Colorado, correct? Yes. I mean, you're, you're dealing with a massive difference in elevation. So I wonder if that will play any effect. Yeah, that, that'll probably be a factor, I'm sure. I mean, hopefully the guys can get in early, get some practice out there in Colorado. But I'm also curious to see if this rushing game continues. Like, I think that's a bigger, a main point to watch. Not a big, not a bigger, but a main point to watch because the rushing game's just been on fire. So let's see if they can keep it up against Air Force. Yeah, I do agree that they'll have to adjust a lot to that high altitude. But I wish them the best of luck against Air Force. Should they beat Air Force, it would be a great way to uh, start conference play uh, the week after. Moving on for football, we head to FEU soccer. Uh, first, we'll talk about men's soccer. Um, they did not have any games this weekend, but uh, last Tuesday, uh, they had an overtime victory for the Gulf Coast 3-2 which actually had them down 2-0 for over half of the game. And once they scored a goal, they didn't look back, and they were able to equalize to force extra time and had the game-winning goal they needed to stay, to have four wins out of five games this season. Esten, I know you were at the game uh, that day. What, what did you think? In the those first two goals for Florida Gulf Coast were really tough, um, and you could you could tell the players were extremely frustrated, um, especially because they created a lot of chances, um, both before and even initially after. But once that first goal came in, it it almost seemed like you could tell they were like, all right, we're we're still in this game, and they had plenty of time. Um, but it was a really exciting game. The fact that. Um, they were able to win late in overtime in such dramatic fashion, along with the great crowd that was there. That was the biggest crowd I've ever seen at a men's soccer game so far. Um, it was it was a really thrilling game, and it was awesome to see the resilience from that team. I think that they're showing just – they're not just showing their resilience, but they're showing just how purely talented they are to overcome a dramatic deficit like that. Yeah, um, and looking at the stats, uh, Florida Gulf Coast did outshoot FAU 17 to 14, including shots on target 11 to 5. But luckily for FAU, uh, Neil Strauber was there to save the day for them despite conceding two goals. He managed to make nine saves compared to Florida Gulf Coast's two. So it, even if the defense is still not there yet as compared to last season, it's there are times when the defense had, revitalizes itself in time to keep FAU in the game. And for this game against Florida Gulf Coast, it pulled, off, it, it, it pulled off in a miracle, especially with that game-winning goal in overtime. So congrats to FAU men's soccer. They're, they will begin conference play this week on Tuesday at Conway, South Carolina against the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. That game will be on Tuesday at 7 p.m. and it will be broadcast on ESPN+. Plus. So. If you have a subscription on ESPN Plus, be sure to watch that. And now we move forward to women's soccer. Um, on Friday, 
if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm mistaken. It's on Thursday, my bad. <laughs> um, on Thursday, they began conference play. <laughs> Bless you, Austin. Bless you. Um, Thank you. On Thursday, FE Women's Soccer kicked off conference play on Thursday against uh, North Texas. And similar to the men's side, they pulled off also another overtime victory. This time being a 2-1 win for the Owls as they, as they rallied back down 1-0 to take the game for to kick out conference play with a win, a crucial win, in fact. Um, Estin, what do you, do you think about this performance for women's soccer? Uh, jokingly, besides the fact that they may have been inspired by watching the men's team and thought to themselves, hey, let's also win another late overtime game. Um, it was really fun to watch, and especially against a team like North Texas, which I believe came into the game with five wins. They were looking really strong and in good form. Um, the fact that the women's team was able to start off conference play like that and at home getting a victory, I, I'm sure that's not only a huge uh, confidence and momentum boost for them, but it also, I'm sure from not only a coach's, but a player's perspective will probably make them think that, you know, in, in tough moments, they're, they know that they can overcome deficits and beat teams that maybe on paper have better records or seem better than them. I mean, let's not forget that, Richard, I know you mentioned to me the other day that the last time these two teams played each other, it was the conference title game a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's so I think that, Yeah, so I think that getting this win is going to be huge going into this, uh, going into conference play. And yes, um, FAU was actually very aggressive against North Texas, outshooting them 17 to 7, including eight shots on target to North Texas is two. Even though North Texas kept them uh, limited with uh, six saves for themselves, while FAU only had one, uh, that offense for FAU actually came through on Thursday and gave FAU the win they needed to pick themselves back up after struggling a lot through the games against non-conference opponents. Uh, after the win against North Texas, they went to Miami on Sunday to take on uh, our, our rivals FIU, and they had to settle for a 1-1 draw. After conceding a one goal in the first half, they were able to respond with a great goal from Mia Senes in the second half and managed to secure at least one a point, a point that is needed for their ranking in the conference standings. So it's pretty clear that with every win FAU has, there are times where they might have to settle for draws here and there and might have, might have a loss occasionally. So it's looking like this season could be a roller coaster one for FE women's soccer but as long as they don't uh collapse in important moments I'm pretty sure they can they'll do just fine and now moving on to uh national sports there is a uh, NFL week two so what were some games throughout the NFL that we've watched that surprised us or Actually, if the multiple injuries to some of the quarterbacks uh, on Sunday really surprised us. Estin, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry yeah. to roll down like that. <laughs> you know, I was there yesterday. Um, uh, and historically, the Dolphins don't do very well against the Bills. It was brutal. Um, 
when when Tua went down, the whole mood in the stadium kind of dropped, and um, it was it it showed Buffalo's domination. You know, Buffalo's a really good team, and to beat a team like them, you have to play your highest level. The Dolphins also had two crucial red zone turnovers. Um, Devontae Parker dropped a, a, an easy chance for a touchdown. It was just it was just bad. It was not a good game for the Dolphins. Yeah, that, that game was tough to watch. As soon as like two, it went out what within like the first like ten minutes of the game, was it in the first quarter? It was like early on, right? Yeah. Um. So, Kevin, what games did you watch from the NFL that caught your attention? <laughs> uh, the Sunday night game it was was fun. The game last night, the the Chiefs and the Ravens, mm. Lamar Jackson leading a just an incredible comeback against uh, against the Chiefs. Uh, that, that's got like a generational matchup. I feel like that's like the modern day Brady versus Peyton Manning with Lamar and Pat Mahomes. It's just a really good rivalry. Um, and then uh, I have to talk about the Thursday night game for a second, just embarrassing loss by the New York football giants. Just, <laughs> I, I could not believe it. The, that game was given to us on a silver platter multiple times with the, the drop pass in the end zone, the offs, the penalty on the, um, the field goal, just, Wow. Yeah. It left a bad taste in my mouth for sure. I was not too excited going into Sunday to watch any games, <laughs> but you know, football, the football still went through and watched them. Yeah. It's all good. At least you didn't do as bad as the New York Jets um, who lost oh, five to, six to the Patriots and had multiple interceptions from their quarterback, Zach Wilson. And I, I saw one of the interceptions and that is <laughs> bad. <laughs> Bad. I, w- I wonder if he's going to do like Sam Darnold to say that he was seeing ghosts or something. <laughs> well, yeah, I have to agree with you with uh, about, about the Ravens Chiefs. Uh, with a 36-35 victory, that close of a game, that must have been a – even I didn't watch um, a- any NFL, game this, NFL games this week, but I was keeping track with highlights, and it appeared that Baltimore and Kansas City – there were a lot of highlights to be had with that game, especially between Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. And that was definitely a thriller for NFL fans watching that game on Sunday night. And moving on from the NFL, there is uh, something brewing in uh, FIFA as they're trying to talk to soccer clubs and leagues and players unions this month in September about trying to organize a, a men's World Cup every two years instead of the traditional four years. They've they tried to make their argument that it will bring more uh, chances to players and teams to compete in more actual challenging games instead of meaningless games like friendlies and all that stuff and improve global talent and have more money to fuel more development programs. And But there was more opposition to that, that it lessens the actual value of winning a World Cup. It distorts the balance between domestic and international games and um, overwhelms players with a tight schedule. So guys, um, what, do you ha- what, do you, what are your thoughts on FIFA trying to make a two-year World Cup instead of keeping it at the four-year level? So when I, when I, read, when I first read this, I thought immediately, like, this is a cash grab. You know, I, I know FIFA, I mean, they make a ton of money but I was reading, they were saying like, oh, we're only making all that money in one year. And that's on the, on the World Cup year. So they make like something like $4 billion, I think, the last World Cup. 
So they want to double their profits. And I feel like that's really what it's all about. Like they can, at the end of the day, they could say, oh, there's more opportunities for more countries to win. But realistically, at the end of the day, it's still going to be the same crop of countries that we're used to seeing that compete in the finals. Like maybe there'll be a surprise like here or there, but I mean, it's going to be, you know, Italy, Germany, Brazil, Argentina, the, 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 the staples of the World Cup. They're still going to be there every two years. It's not going to make much of a difference in the competition and from my perspective. And also, you know, even though the World Cup is expanding now to 48 teams, I believe, in 2026, yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, the, um, Kevin, I, I'm with you. The majority of teams that are going to be in it, especially teams that are legitimately going to be able to compete to win the World Cup, will likely be the same powerhouse nations. Um, I guess the only one of the few upsides I could think is that if FIFA is able to up its own revenue, which granted $4 billion is quite a lot of money, but for perspective, UEFA makes 11, I, I believe it's 11 billion a year off of yep. Champions League. So, mm -hmm. and that's annual. So I think if FIFA is able to get more money in, they can help put more money into um, different like organizations, especially uh, organizations like CONCACAF, um, which is the group that the U.S. plays in and struggles to play in, um, and also like CAF, the Confederation of African or the African Football Federation, huh. mispronounced, but um, that's the only major benefit I could see out of it. But at the end of the day, too, I mean, the players are already on such a crunch schedule. Um, I'd be extremely concerned for player safety especially those guys at the highest level. And yeah, I, I when it comes to having a two-year World Cup, I have to agree with Essen on this. This is not, uh, I, don't I don't think it's a good idea to have a, a World Cup every two years instead of four. Uh, I do believe it does uh, uh, decrease the value of winning an actual World Cup title for, especially for a country wanting to develop its players to have the aspirations of winning a World Cup. And the, the World Cup title itself, it, it brings so much value because it's not every so often that you get the opportunity to win one. And to see a World Cup every two years, a tournament no less, um, it, it's not gonna bring the same fulfillment as it would uh, every four years when you don't see the World Cup tournament that often and it's more special and it's more important more crucial, more tense. And I, I really don't like uh, two-year World Cups. And I think it makes more sense to have every tournament, especially at international level, every four years, like uh, the Copa America, the UEFA Euros, and particularly the, the World Cup itself. So I, I, I hope that uh, the national teams and the sports clubs throughout all the world <laughs> They, that they don't approve the two-year World Cup format and stick with the traditional four years because I do want to keep that value of winning a World Cup title intact. And hopefully it, they say that a decision will be made in December. So hopefully it's uh, in no changes are made when it comes to having a World Cup every two or four years because I'd rather have it be four years. And uh, before we end this uh, episode, I do have a, we did uh, 
have a little fun activity uh, last episode where we decided to have a, a fantasy matchup uh, between FU football and a team that they have yet to face in it throughout its history. So, uh, guys, um, what is your fantasy matchup for FU against an opponent that they have yet to face so far? Uh, uh, my the first there were two teams I thought of, but one I feel like is more realistic than the other. Um, I would love to see them play Florida State because Florida State is no longer that good. And um, unless I misread, we've never played Florida State. Yeah, and I think haven't. we actually we'd actually have a legitimate chance of beating them. Um, but I think a more I, I guess a more realistic option um, would be Coastal Carolina. Um, Coastal has turned itself into a pretty prominent school. I mean, they're, they're highly ranked. They've been highly ranked for the last two years and Coastal, when you look at the opponents they've been playing, they've been trying to play teams not only outside of their conference, which is the Sun Belt, but they're trying to play teams that are in, you know, like what you would think are above their talent level. Um, and I think considering that FAU has played Georgia Southern, um, which is also in the same conference as Coastal, it would be a fun matchup, um, whether it's in Boca or up in Conway, South Carolina. So um, that would be a fun matchup to watch. And Coastal's a fun team. You know, they got a lot of good guys up there. So, uh, Kevin, uh, what do you think? Uh, what's your fantasy matchup? So I, I, like Eston, have written down Florida State. I think that one was just a no-brainer. So I had a couple other options, too, because I figured one of you guys would say Florida State. Um, I went a little, like, real fantasy with this. I, kinda, I went with Oregon. I, I just feel like that would be a fun matchup because Oregon historically is a high-powered offense, and they're one of the most respected schools in college football. So I just I feel like that would be fun. Um, I also was looking at Penn State, too. Penn State, another, like, you know, historic college football powerhouse. Um, those games may not be the best games, you know, depends on, on how the rosters are looking for both sides, but it, it would be a lot of fun. I think either way to go to Oregon or to go to Penn state or have them coming down to Boca, it'd be big. It'd be a big deal if one of those schools came down here. Yeah. And I have to agree with you on that. Um, having an, a preference, the best preference is to have a home and away series against these teams and um, having big main teams come to Boca Raton, it would definitely bring a, a huge crowd to each yeah. of those games. So as as the both of you have mentioned, I do have uh, two two teams in mind that would really uh, have sold out crowds if we were to have a home and away series against them. The first team I'll go with is a team that is nationally ranked right now, and that team is the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, like thinking of the away uh, uh, logistics. Uh, the, FAU would be playing in a stadium that has a capacity of over 100,000 people. FAU playing in, a, in front of a crowd of that size, that would be moment, monumental, uh, as, as, as I should say. And considering that Michigan has a lot of history, has the most all-time wins in college football history, has won multiple championships throughout its, throughout its college football history, and playing a team like Michigan would be a, a huge, it would be huge for FAU. And, and then playing them at home, that would definitely bring a sold out crowd in seconds. 
if, yeah, you try to, if you try to buy tickets for an FEU Michigan game in Boca, I'm pretty sure that would be sold out in minutes. So <laughs> it would be an exciting matchup if it were to occur. And an honorable, ben, honorable mention I would give to a fantasy matchup would be um, FEU and um, UCLA. And yeah, I think it would be more likely than Michigan. And uh, not to mention that the away uh, logistics, especially in Cali, with the Rose Bowl, uh, with over having over ninety thousand people be at this at the stadium itself, it, it would also uh, give uh, Effie more uh, recognition, name recognition, actually. And and UCLA uh, also has success, uh, not to the extent of Michigan's. But it, it's success regardless, and uh, it's more likely for FAU to actually have uh, a matchup series with UCLA in the future. If if I would if I were to say that, you know, like if I were thinking hypothetically, this would be the more realistic matchup between FAU, uh, and that would be UCLA. And with that, um, that'll be it for this episode of You Press Play Sports. Make sure to hit like and subscribe. Hit, click the bell to keep up with notifications from us. And also be sure to go on upressonline.com to keep up with news, sports, and more content alike. To follow us on Twitter, it's at Ritz26Pereira. For Esten, it's at Esten Parker. And for Kevin, it's at KevinGar658. Um, thanks for watching and have a great day.